There are two scripture readings for this second Sunday of Advent, the Sunday on which we have lit the candle of peace. The first passage is from the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. And Catherine will read it. It is from the prophet Isaiah, and it is a vision of a world yet to be, a world, a peaceable kingdom. A reading from the book of Isaiah, the 11th chapter, verses 6 through 9. Hear now the word of the Lord. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. May God bless our understanding of this prophetic text. And then from the Gospel of Luke in the New Testament, a passage that will be very familiar to many of you. It's a passage more likely heard on Christmas Eve, but it's where the angels appear to the shepherds. And as it said, the first word that the angels say is peace. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. May these words which once transformed the disciples' hearts transform our hearts as well. And now we will rise, rise in spirit, and join our voices together in a hymn that sings of God's presence in all the seasons of the year and in all the seasons of our lives. Let us sing our, we'll join our voices together. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be offered humbly and faithfully. Amen. It was the dawn of the 20th century, and diplomats and ambassadors from all around the world came from the leading governments of all the nations, and they gathered in Holland, and they gathered there for the first conference on peace. The passage from Isaiah was read, and their hopes were sky high. They were the hopes that the 20th century would be a century of peace, a century of faith. And their hopes were high because this conference in Holland was not, not prompted by the conclusion of a war. But instead, the conference was organized with the best of intentions to plan for peace for generations to come. And so they had the next peace conference eight years later in 1907. And when that conference concluded, they set the date for 10 years later. But by 1917, of course, Europe was embroiled in a grim world war. And we know the rest of the sad story of the 20th century. The century that brought about roughly 93 million deaths in wars. 93 million. I mean, a staggering sum. 
And the next conference on peace, the one that was supposed to follow the 1907 conference, it was slightly delayed by 92 years. The next conference on peace wasn't held until 1999. Now this may come as a shock to you, but statistically the first fifth of the 21st century, if you can believe it, we're almost 20% done with the 21st century, has been statistically a rather nonviolent period in human history. But you might not say it has been peaceful. Because when we consider peace on this Sunday of Advent, I think of the words of Pope John who said that the peace that Jesus speaks of, that peace is more than the absence of conflict. I mean, we understand that peace at, at the tip of a sword or at the end of a rifle barrel isn't peace at all. We understand that a time where there is a lack of violence, but there is still oppressor in charge of the oppressed, is not peace. That is simply the absence of violence. The kind of peace Jesus speaks of when he says, peace be with you, the kind we pray for when we light the candle of peace, the kind of peace we hope to make room for in our hearts, that kind of peace has more to do with justice and mercy and cooperation. And if anything was learned about peace or the lack thereof in the 20th and in the 21st century, it is that peace in the world, in your homes, and yes, even in the tug of war that happens in our hearts, that kind of peace is tough to come by. I mean, history has taught us this lesson time and time again. Most wars, and hear these words of a retired general, most wars are usually cruel and costly mistakes. Their causes are rooted in the failures of diplomacy or the poor judgment of leaders. And remember these words of this retired general. It is far easier to get into a war or a conflict than it is to ever get out of it. And I know that's true, of course, about nations. But it's true of families as well. Yet in spite of that faithful caution, one of the sad and I think yet enduring stories of history and what seems to be testimony, sadly, to the fact that one of humanity's most ancient and passionate love affairs is with conflict. And however reluctant we are to admit it, sometimes we thrive on conflict. Psychologists say that conflict gives us sort of a cruel comfort. Sometimes it gives us a shared and definite purpose in what we're doing. Sometimes it helps us to understand to whom we belong and whose side we are on. In some strange and sad way, conflict gives us a perverse kind of meaning to our identities. And in light of that, consider the sad and peculiar story of Hiro Onada. It's a story that is worth remembering, but I promise you it's not worth emulating. He was a lieutenant in the Japanese Army during World War II. 
1944, he was sent to the Philippines, and in 1945, the Americans captured and liberated the island. And Hiro Onoda and several other soldiers fled to the jungle in hiding. The war ended, leaflets were dropped, and loudspeakers said the armistice of peace has been reached, and most of those soldiers returned to their lives. But not Hiro Onoda, who remained hidden, still at war, until his former commander was sent to the Philippines to find him and tell him what had happened. And finally, Hiro Onoda ended his war and came out of the jungle in 1974, 29 years after the war had ended. Don't you wonder? Don't you wonder that after having continued to fight this war for almost three decades? I mean, how did he feel? Was he disappointed? Was he relieved? Maybe he was sad. But think about how revealing his story is about humanity and our relationship with conflict. And I'm not just speaking of conflict between nations. I'm talking about tension between spouses or the anger of parents or children who are estranged or in some cases, people's relentless anger at God. Well, when we ask the question on this second Sunday of Advent, will I make room for peace in my heart? It might help by confessing that each of us has a little bit of hero Onada in us. Too often we're willing to stay armed, weaponized for battle long, long after the conflict is actually over. And it's sad to say, but I do think there's a little bit of Hiro Onada that lives in each of us. And yet, as Christians in Advent, we are called to pray and to work for a justice, for a, mer for a peace that brings justice and mercy and cooperation. To make room for that kind of peace a peaceable world in which we have to learn to disagree without always being so disagreeable. And maybe, maybe that is your simple hope for the Advent season. That peace, peace might start with you. And that maybe you will, as W.H. Auden wrote and dreamed of before he approached the Christmas holidays, once saying, I dream of successfully loving all of my relatives this year. And he wrote afterwards, once again, I failed. <laughs> but you heard the prophet Isaiah dreaming as well, imagining a peaceful time that has not yet been, of a place that we have started on a journey to but have not yet arrived of a people we have not yet become. For Isaiah dreams of God's future, a peaceable world where the wolf, the wolf, shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the goat, and a little child shall lead us. 
lead us into a world not of uniformity, but of unity. A world where we agree to differ, but resolve to love. A world in which we may disagree, but aren't always so darn disagreeable. If your hope to make room for peace in this world is part of your Advent prayer, then chances are not only will it start in your home, but it will start in your heart. So this morning, this morning we lit the candle of peace, a candle whose light illumines the path to the birth in Bethlehem so long ago and still yet to come. When God's peaceable realm took a human form in the one we call the Christ. And I know there's much to do in this Advent season. And Garrison Keillor, in one of his reports on life from Lake Wobegon, was describing all the special services and the preparations, even the musical celebrations that were occurring during, during Lent and during Advent in that mythical Minnesota town. And Keillor admits that sometimes the busyness of now is overwhelming. And then he wonders, why? Why do ordinary people, year after year, join in the telling of and preparation for Christ's birth? And why? And why? Because it's a story of peace. And we hunger to be a part of it. And may that peace begin with you and with me.